everyone, Jay here, and it's that time again. Welcome back to Over Manga Cast. That time we woke up in a podcast and had to explain manga. Our heated adventures over analyzing manga we find interesting. This episode, we discuss chapters 1 to 24 of the cult classic, needing little introduction, Helsing by Kota Hirano. And without further ado, let's jump into the episode. Can't keep Master Alucard waiting. Hello everyone, I'm Sam and uh, I'll start off with my experience with Helsing. I stumbled across the original anime quite by accident while just surfing YouTube for random episodes of anime back when that was the premier way to watch pirated shows. Uh, <laughs> show X episode Y part one of four. And uh, the good old days. The and good then you old couldn't days. find part three. And then uh, I guess you're not watching this anime anymore. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I watched all of the original Helsing that way. Kind of forgot about it for a few years. And then Ultimate started coming out. And I followed Helsing Ultimate pretty closely, watched that, enjoyed it greatly. And then uh, Helsing Ultimate Abridge happened, and I quote it basically every day. <laughs> but this is my first experience reading the actual manga. Uh, I'll go next. Uh, Jacob here. I know Helsing a lot better than I thought I did. I thought I had all but no knowledge base. Then I read the manga and realized that Helsing Ultimate Abridged is literally just like 3% more memes and literally shorter and otherwise exactly Helsing, which is sort of interesting. <laughs> but the Abridged series is, I mean, like, I love the Abridged series. The Abridged series is all I had experienced of Helsing up until this point. Matt here. Uh, I actually read all of Helsing um, originally in uh, high school. It's probably the third or fourth series I've completed in like when I was buying manga real religiously. Um, I love Helsing. It's just so good. And it was great rereading it because you forget just how quick and snappy it is. And it's, mm. it's really not a lot of work to read. And I was happy we could do this little joint back into it. Jay here. So my introduction to Helsing um, came at a time where Similar to Matt, I was reading a lot of manga, buying a lot of manga, very anime obsessed. And for those who, to get to know me a little bit more, I'm a little vampire obsessed. So this checked all the boxes. And that's kind of how I fell into the Helsing fandom. I read a bit of the manga. I'm not, I don't believe I got too far in the manga, but I watched... Um, the original anime, and um, Helsing Ultimate. It's been a number of years. Can't recall if I consciously watched Helsing Abridged, but probably snuck in there. I've heard a lot of the memes. Um, so, <laughs> it's really funny. So, yeah, that's my exposure to Helsing. Uh, I think this might be one of the first uh, series we've done where we all have basically the same background in the franchise that we're discussing, which, I mean, it, it, it kind of goes to show just how wildly popular Helsing was back in the day. Yeah, I'm sort of I'm sort of the odd one out in that where I really only know it from the abridged. Series. Again, I only know it from the abridged series. But like <laughs> the thing that shocked me is they're like in all seriousness, 
there are like three differences in all of Helsing Ultimate relative to the manga. One is, you know, I made the joke about 3% less memes. They they literally do internet memes in Helsing Ultimate, whereas they basically do something that's more fitting for a manga in Helsing, but it has the exact same sense of humor, right down to calling one of the characters police girl. When I read that, my jaw dropped. Jake did not know that police girl was police I girl. I didn't know that was actually a thing. I thought they called her Sarah's... I thought they used her name, but they actually just call her police girl. And then the only other two things that are noticeably different, they, the, the two female characters, not to say it's like disrespectful in the, I mean, everything about the abridged series is disrespectful. That's sort of the joke. They, they do bad things to the characters of Saris and Integra, but they take Saris and Integra's character arcs more seriously in the manga. Those two character arcs being taken more seriously, are the only major differences, you can make an argument that Alucard is a little bit different in the abridged series where he talks a little bit more but it's really just the same character talking more mm -hmm. we get our first introduction to that character our uh eponymous uh dracula oh wait is that a spoiler i don't think it is it's literally just his damn name backwards hold on if you if you don't understand alucard is dracula backwards you gotta you gotta watch the batman versus dracula um movie because <laughs> batman the i saw that oh my god that's so good world's greatest detective runs into a man named uh, alucard at a party goes wait a second knocks over a tray of hors d'oeuvres from a butler writes in lady's lipstick alucard on the thing and puts it in front of the mirror like in this party to see alucard backwards is dracula <laughs> It's kind of hilarious in a mundane sort of way. <laughs> and yes, it is, Hair Major. He's going on a lovely moonlit <laughs> walk on the first mission where we get our introduction to the titular Helsing organization, England's premier vampire fighters. They imply Helsing fights all things that go bump in the night, but whether or not things other than vampires existing doesn't seem it's a gray area <laughs> yeah it doesn't really come up until later when we get werewolves yeah we know that werewolves exist as of when where we stopped reading because the first two werewolves have been introduced the idea behind it is that if it's not a vampire it's a minor enough threat that like the police can handle it but vampires are so powerful that they in particular are the ones that are dealt with by the helsing organization I also got to say, as much as I liked Helsing, it has some places where it has some problems. For example, the exposition dump in the beginning is uh, pretty, uh, pretty uh, interesting. It's pretty exposition dumpy. All this stuff is supposed to be secret and Integra just like walks up to the camera and explains to the police officer on the other side of it. Like it's very, it's very overtly for the audience, which... It's the case where it fits with the irreverent tone of the series, but it is kind of weird that she's just explaining this to some rando. Yeah. The other the other issue that I noticed, and it went away relatively quickly, but there are some places where the art in this book is 
not fantastic. Well, what you're talking about, what they did to my poor girl, Saris, where she looks like a how to draw manga panel. <laughs> oh, poor Saris. I don't know if Kota Hirano just doesn't like drawing multiple eyes, but he goes to some pretty great lengths to make sure that there is either just a side view of a character, so you only get one eye, their hair falling down to cover one of them, or just they're in shadows, so it's just and one eye glows. Or they yeah. have crazy eyes that aren't the same size. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on, guys. There are issues like that one particular panel of Saris that's just like, that feels like something that was meant to be cleaned up and never got cleaned up. But like, there are places where, like Alucard's hair will go weird sometimes. Like the further in you get, the more often it is, it's done very obviously, very intentionally, and it's extremely stylish and looks amazing. But early on, there are a lot of places where style was attempted and it didn't succeed. Which we do see a bit of in this first uh, this first mission where a vampire priest has taken over the town of Cheddar and is eating all of the people. And like anyone else who ever becomes a vampire, the very first thing you do is say, I am intrinsically better than humanity. Nothing can ever stop me. Proceed to be immediately stopped. Yeah. That happens with at least three different characters. I mean, that can be applied to other tropes of society, particularly, you know, lottery winners. I won the vampire lottery. Yeah, I mean, how many people in the series are like, I want to be a vampire? That's like the peak of everything. And then when it happens, you're just like, well, all of you guys, I'm, I'm number one. No one can defeat me. I'm immortal. I have eternal power. And then immediately defeated. Mm -hmm. And the, the thing is, the first couple of vampires that are like do that and then get immediately defeated, they are patsies. They yes. are actually being sent out with the attention. Of, hey, you're invincible now. Go be an asshole. <laughs> At which point they attract the attention of the Helsing orga organization. One thing that is going to come up later that I think is super interesting and one of the best parts of this book, there's basically nobody in this book except for arguably one character who comes up later in Alucard, everyone else is like, it doesn't matter the circumstances, they're in over their head. Alucard mm. is basically the only character that we see from the start who actually has things under control. And the only reason he hasn't just taken over the world personally, you know, broken the control of the Helsing organization has over him and just done whatever he wanted is because he finds this more amusing than the alternative. Yeah, we get some implica implications that the Helsing organization did something to Dracula to turn him into Alucard. That's never really explained super well, especially in what we read. So it's kind of more yeah. just set dressing to explain why Alucard, who is at least 10 power levels above everyone else in this series, does the bidding of this random human woman. The way that Alucard talks and acts it feels pretty obvious to me that like Helsing sealed his power away and, and that's why he's, you know, the only time he's allowed to like unleash his full power and enjoy himself is at the behest of Helsing. I feel like Alucard wouldn't have to work that hard to just completely break Helsing's control over him and just do what he wants. It's not worth it to him to do that. Yeah. yeah. And that's why it doesn't really come up. If we wanted to get into the lore reasons of how Helsing works, you could probably make a case that they probably did something to create a master-servant bond that you see with Ceres when she becomes um, Alucard's vampire. She intrinsically follows him because that's just how vampires work. 
you could make that case, but also it's much more likely Alucard just finds it interesting and he admits that he was defeated because we get that flashback and yeah, we get the flashback of Abraham, uh, at least, yeah, Abraham Van Helsing defeating Dracula. And he's like, man, you actually did it. You crazy son of a bitch. Fine. <laughs> I guess I'm sworn to your bloodline now. You people are cool. <laughs> I, I do very much interpret the, the idea that they did a master servant bond and Alucard is just so powerful. I mean, he could probably just straight up ignore that if he really wanted to, but he could also probably easily break it because Helsing was able to defeat him out of respect and personal amusement. Mm -hmm. He's a good sportsman. Yeah. Yeah, and to really put into perspective the power scaling in this series, every fight we see Alucard do, he just throws his body at the problem until it goes away. Like, he gets killed <laughs> repeatedly and does not care. He just gets back up and shoots them again. He's kind of the Ur-Saitama in a way, in that he's just... He's so hilariously powerful that no fight is an actual threat to him, except rather than just being disillusioned by this, he just has fun terrifying people by getting back up again. Hold that thought for the for the Valentine brothers, because I had a rather hilarious epiphany relative to that. But that's that's a bit off yet because we're still yeah. we're still technically in Shutter right now. Yeah, well, I mean, this is a real this is your basic setup chapter, which is why we've been discussing more meta things instead of it. But Vampire Priest murders everybody. We learn how ghouls work. We get our first instance of, you know, the extreme levels of just violence and hideousness in this because the Vampire Priest is just like, eh, I don't know if you're a virgin or not, but I'm just going to make sure before I drink your blood. You know what I'm saying? And Alucard's like, man. You fucking suck, dude. And then shoots him through Saris and turns her into a vampire because he felt pity for her because she agreed to it because eh, she agreed to it. It's because she agreed to it. And he also references the fact that she was very pure and noble in her actions compared to so many other humans. He was impressed by how. Yeah, he notes that she could have just escaped. She's literally just a police officer and everyone else was dead, but she stayed in the town trying to get the situation under control. Like every other character, she's so hideously in over her head that it goes about as well as you'd expect. But that's like the first time we see a thread of Alucard's character that we see throughout the entire series and that he actually does have a lot of respect for humans when they live up to the standards of the people that beat him. Mm -hmm. I know, like, obviously, Kota Hirano drew a lot from Bram Stoker's OG Dracula. But if you've read that, then you know that so many of the human characters in that are like these paragons of humanity and goodness. And that's what lets them defeat Dracula. It kind of goes to reason that Alucard would have zero respect for anybody who didn't live up to that insane ideal. And then Ceres did so she was interesting enough to turn. Uh, I think at one point someone actually, i it might be Integra, I'm not sure. But someone says, if you want to learn more about vampires, read Bram Stoker. Yep. <laughs> I mean, she's not wrong. Again, to the just the complete irreverence <laughs> that this series has, and I love it so much. And that's sort of like, that also goes with all of like the violence and the like the casual references of rape and things like that. It's almost weird to put it this way, but it doesn't come off as gratuitous because... It doesn't care. The universe of the manga itself 
could not give a shit. The the entire universe is very dark because we have people just viscerally murdered over like nothing. nothing. Yeah. And all of them in these explosions of blood, like they're they have the highest blood pressure rating of all time. And then always you have to have the person who just killed them doing some variety of weird JoJo's pose. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think this is like one of the original JoJo's. Well, no, this came out after JoJo's, but yeah, really? It, yeah, was it, it like yeah. at least the same era? Or slightly before. I think it's from like the same era as Stardust Crusaders. I was going to say. Codified a lot of the JoJo memes that we think of. Ah. Yeah, I thought this was 90s as well, because JoJo's JoJo's and Dragon Ball are contemporary. So I know JoJo's is like early 70s. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, that's the very enthusiastic walk through Cheddar. Uh, The next segment is Integra's flashback. There were no survivors. What about there? What about that girl you're holding? There were no survivors. <laughs> God damn it. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, for um, though she's officially declared as one of the missing. So, mm-hmm. I mean. And then we get convenient. <laughs> she, she, then, she conveniently happens to be an orphan. How about that? She, she is the list of things you need to be in order for your disappearance as a vampire to cause no narrative threads that need to be solved. <laughs> Uh, unmarried, no, no, like, uh, significant other, orphan, no extended family, uh, nobody else in that entire situation survived. But then we have the next segment, uh, Integra having a flashback to her, to how she met Alucard. Like, that's a flashback to only, like, 10 years ago, which also hammers home another thing. Integra is, like, shockingly young. She's, like, 19 or 20, I think. Yeah, she's late teens, definitely, because the story opens up, obviously, with her father dying and there being the whole inheritance dispute between her and her uncle. And and she's like a young teen girl in that. No, I wouldn't even say she's a teen. Like, isn't she like eight or nine? No, she's, yeah, she's not even a teen. I, yeah. I, I was going to give like like to easiest benefit for as old as Integra could possibly be. She looks like at max 13. And that's a stretch. Like it's a young thirteen. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. So, like I I'd I'd assume it was somewhere between eight and ten. I think she's supposed to be canonically ten when that happens, but I that makes just, sense. I might just be pulling that out of my hat. Well, I mean, isn't that also part of the reason? Well, I mean, part of the reason, ex- uh, aside from the obvious, but the uncle is so insulted that that this ten year old girl is yeah. being given. I did not go through all this trouble of reenacting the inciting incident of Hamlet to have this child take my inheritance. <laughs> literal child. Do they explicitly state in the manga that, because I know in Abridged, they say that it was the uncle specifically poisoning the dad, the previous head of Helsing. I think I think they imply he killed him. I think mm-hmm. I think that's very clear because it's his, her dad is dead for like, 24 hours before he sends hit squads to murder the 10 year old girl. I don't think he's a good guy. Yeah, no, I, 24 <laughs> hours is generous. I think it's more like 45 minutes. I'm just saying approaching this from a more strategic, if he had a good relationship with the daughter, he probably would have been a good surrogate or a retainer. This guy doesn't seem to know anything about how the organization works because he didn't I'm just know- saying if his objective was to be controlling, he could do that behind the scenes if yeah. he had a relationship with the daughter. 
That's true, but he's also not very smart. He didn't know Alucard even existed. He didn't yeah. know an entire section of the building was still in use. Yeah, he's a dumb dumb. Mm-hmm. Like most of back. the I'm just saying, if I were a smart uncle. <laughs> like most of the antagonists in this series, he's just a power-hungry nut, and he doesn't think beyond that. <laughs> Who shouts his plan at the camera. Yes. <laughs> While JoJo's posing. <laughs> <laughs> so Integra manages to escape into the basement because her father said, if you're ever in the most dire of straits, then go into the basement and find the sealed door there. What's in there will help you. Probably assuming that this wouldn't happen until like years years later not before his body is even cold <laughs> well yeah yeah <laughs> so integra goes into the basement and finds a gimped up corpse yep uh, well it's <laughs> and- important to note the fact that she uses vents she doesn't just go you know through a door because that comes up in later chapters of remember those vents that led you to the basement well because her uncle is like having his his guys like patrol this patrol the halls and everything for her so she has to go around well he has effective control over helsing doesn't he like those are helsing soldiers that he has told hey murder integra yeah which is kind of weird but as far as i recall was it faction within helsing that agreed with him yeah, because he mentions offhandedly at one point, like, we only have so much time to kill her before the others notice what's going on. So it's it's the case where because because the people guarding the facility are not going to be read into everything, there's probably a group of people who are like, why is the 10 year old getting getting to be in charge? Why isn't it this adult who presumably knows what he's doing and just they knew as little as the uncle did? Mm-hmm. So they joined with the uncle. But that goes about as well as can be expected because he, the uncle, you know, having reached full violent psychopath at this point, decides to not just cleanly shoot and kill Integra, but decides to make a game out of it and shoots her non-fatally, which is a, I know, a very, very thin line. But this is Helsing, so anything that's not a direct shot to the heart, neck, or head is, you're probably going to be okay. Well, can we just point out that while he may be an idiot, uh, her uncle is a crack shot because he shoots her ear off purposefully. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that splatters enough blood around the corpse. And hey, it's the vampire. It's Alucard, who then proceeds to absolutely myrtleize the hell out of the uh, traitor Helsing guards. But importantly, not the uncle. Yeah, which is where we get. It, it's actually like a really defining character moment for Alucard and Integra's relationship because Alucard is just using himself as a meat shield for her and she takes this opportunity to uh, level the gun she has on, or the gun she took from one of the dead guards on Alucard's arm and pop her own uncle in the head. And this is actually a really cool thing about particularly Integra's character and there's there's an even better moment that's more illustrative of this. But one of the things that I really, really love about Integra's character is, especially if you look relative to Helsing Ultimate of Bridge, they put Integra in places where she's in a position of weakness a lot. And it makes her come off as a much, much stronger character. She's very rarely in control. She's usually in over her head, but she's able to handle herself. She accepts that, yeah, I'm in over my head, but I can figure this out. And... It sort of made me think about like, you know, that whole air quotes, strong female character thing where it's like they, you know, strip away all the humanity and all the emotion and the characters come off as incredibly patronizing. 
Integra comes off to me as just the absolute strongest world character in the entire series. And I totally understand why Alucard respects her so much because the story doesn't pretend she doesn't have emotions. It's front and center. And the fact that she's able to handle these ridiculous situations is what makes her strong. Mm -hmm. And you don't see that very often. I had actually forgotten how many, how much uh, Integra just gets hammered by the incredibly shit situations, the awful hands that she is dealt in this. But we'll be getting to that in a bit, because first we have to go Bonnie and Clyde, and then we have to go over to Ireland. <laughs> well, I mean, B Bonnie and Clyde is Bonnie and Clyde. <laughs> There's two vampire criminals. They do a crime spree. Uh, the only real thing of difference between this and Cheddar is that Saris was told, hey, use your big sniper rifle gun. Police girl, police girl, take the shot. <laughs> look through your third eye. Don't look as humans look. You're going to miss. Look like a vampire. Isn't the margin of error going to mostly be with the gun? Shut up. <laughs> no. You're going to miss it. You're going to miss, miss it. it. But this is where we get introduced to my favorite character, Father Alexander Anderson. Oh my God, Anderson! That's the next. That's the next mission, actually. It's yeah. He's he's teased at the end of uh, Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah, talking to some of the orphans at the Vatican, <laughs> and uh, saying, "Now nah, the only ones you should be getting rough with are heathens and the demons." That's a good, accurate interpretation of how hard it is to read his dialogue in the <laughs> that's manga. So ridiculous! Any of you out there who have consumed Helsing content but not read the manga you do not understand how painfully scottish <laughs> anderson is it's not even english it's just is, word soup he is illegible hey, hey, in some that is panels very insulting jacob <laughs> i'm not wrong though you have to read it, his words out loud because they're spelled phonetically. They're spelled yes. phonetically every time. Though I gotta say, my absolute favorite bit from the Bonnie and Clyde thing is at the end, or it might be the beginning of the Ireland thing, but it's when Anderson is being teased and they're going through like his bio, origin unknown, face unknown. And I just imagine that, that Power Rangers RPM moment. I'm Scottish! <laughs> I don't I, like I don't think that that's that big of a mystery folks <sighs> so, oh, yes unknown yeah it's at this point that we go over to Ireland 40 zombies in here it's like house of the dead but a hundred times more awesome there's gonna be a lot of abridged quotes by the way just so you yeah. know <laughs> if you go into Helsing entirely blind you could be easily forgiven for thinking that um there would be no third party in this it would just be Helsing versus Iscariot because we get into a shocking amount of political minutia concerning the separation of Ireland and Northern Ireland over a vampire fight. That sounds about right. One of the things that I, I couldn't help but note, and I'm, I'm relatively certain this is on purpose, but the abridged series actually what sounds like genuine religious conflict where like they're actually like insulting things that either church does but the, like the politics in in the manga the religious stuff is just so empty like they're they're talking about like their churches but it's just politics there's there's no god in any of the things that they say yeah. it's just they're fighting over a political boundary in a J very Jacob? secular real world Jacob. way Jacob 
the separation of these two churches was politics. So, I mean, yes. <laughs> That's why I'm pretty sure it was intentional. But it is the case where, like, I don't know, it, it, it feels weird to me how it's, I guess, and again, irreverent tone. That I assume that it's on purpose. Kind of, actually. Yeah. yeah. God, God as an entity is absent from most of Helsing. Like, I think... The closest we get is that the bullets Alucard uses are made of not only silver, they're made of silver from a cross that has been melted down and blessed. But that doesn't... That is the most attribution we get, other than vampires being weak to silver and holy water, which... Silver, mm -hmm. it's, it's... Holy water means something, and blessing things mean something. It's just the case where, like, there's that bit in Helsing Ultimate where it's, oh, the Pope's doing better than your failing church. Well, we can't all exploit illegals. Uh, well, you don't waste time making money off of Rupert Murdoch. Like, that sounds like the kind of argument that people from different churches would actually get into. Whereas it's so it's so naked in its politics in the manga proper. Mm -hmm. Well, it's because in that bit we get, we get Father Alexander. They talk about Protestants as if they're on the same level as threat of vampires. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because Protestants are vermin. I'm sorry. You said a bunch of people have been killed? No, it's just been killing Protestants. Yeah. We're fine. This isn't a problem we need to solve. <laughs> and the killing vampires. Oh, just try and fuck me. And the Protestants. The second verse, same as the first. That's the level. That's the level we're working with here. But the 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 fight in Ireland is pretty intense because uh, it. I mean, it has Alucard being bored with the zombies, so he just has Saris go deal with it. He sends in sends in the intern. Yeah, sends in an intern while he sits down on the steps with a Capri Sun. <laughs> pretty yeah. much, literally. Ghouls can wield guns in this, which you know, it, that's one of those ones where it's like. When you see it the first time when the when the zombies start shooting at Saris, that's pretty uncommon for for zombies to be tool using. Saris gets really into murdering the zombies, goes on a little blood rage and destroys them. And Alucard's like, yes, good. Embrace the darkness. And then suddenly <laughs> knives. What's a, what's a blood rage? <laughs> Yeah. Just so many knives. <laughs> oh, my God. Saris just gets knifed completely in one panel, falls over. Alucard gets knifed against a wall. And then Alexander does a two like full page spread gloating Jojo's pose <laughs> while quoting scripture. Like Bible yeah. pages that are like floating around everywhere when he makes his entrance initially. <laughs> it's ridiculous. He stabs Bible pages into the wall and it creates some holy barricade that means the vampires can't leave the building. At the end, we're going to talk about our favorite fights. This is my favorite fight in the entire series for how completely ridiculous it is. I wrote our outline for this episode and I have it as uh, Anderson and Alucard compared sizes for a few pages <laughs> and then two super powerful, endlessly regenerating badasses splatter each other for a few more. That's just what this is. It's then, so dumb, and I love it, it. It's great, because it ends with um, Alucard getting decapitated. Saris grabbing his head and running away crying, because she has no idea what's going on. And she hears Alucard's voice in her head going like, Hey, hey, you want to drink my blood? It'd make a really <laughs> cool vampire. Do it. I'm hearing his ghost. Do it. 
<laughs> do it. I'll call you by your name. And of course she doesn't because yeah. that that's another uh yeah. line. But again, one of the few things that they that is really different between the abridged series and uh the manga is it is a occasional mild joke. Like Alucard is incredibly disrespectful to Ceres relative to her not becoming a full-fledged vampire. The entire manga takes the idea of Ceres not wanting to lose her humanity. Um, well, it's not just Alucard on that note. It's also um, Integra. Like for like, they don't even acknowledge her. She is an it. I think he at least honors her by calling her female, a police girl. I mean, everyone else is just like, what is it doing or what is? I don't know. Integra's very mad. Alucard did this at all. <laughs> this was not an order. The other one who's uh, sort of like questionable and in, in the way that uh, Saris is treated is Walter is. Is it once kind of respectful to Saris, but also a lot of people like look at Saris like, why aren't you doing it? And then she has to explain the obvious of I don't want to be an actual literal monster. I yeah. mean, Walt Walter mostly just has your sassy butler uh, stereotype yeah. of like, oh, yes, whatever you say, master. Yeah, Walter is respectful because that is his job. He manages to slip so much. So much sass. So sass, sass into it, yeah. But any, anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves because I want to talk about my favorite part of the Alexander fight is Saris mm -hmm. is running away, has decided she's not going to drink Alucard's blood. He stops talking to her out of a hissy fit or whatever. Maybe he died. <laughs> um, and Integra, in what must have been the quickest plane flight ever, heard that they were being attacked and flew <laughs> over immediately to land and enter the building. Well, I don't understand the time frame here. From London to Northern Ireland. That's actually not that far. I know it's not that far, but it's still like, for how quick this fight seemed to be going. Because the thing is, she doesn't start going there until Anderson is already engaged Alucard. It's like... 45 seconds worth of fight if you like time out the panels and then how long has Saris been running around with Alucard's head? Apparently enough time for the, pl the plane to land. Yeah. But anyway, we get a great scene of um, her running up to Integra, seeing she's here going like, oh no, and gets stabbed by Father Alexander again because Saris can't have anything. Uh, <laughs> and then he goes up to Integra and basically goes on this whole spiel about how you Protestants aren't worth anything. I'm going to kill you right here because you're just as bad as vampires. That never gets toned down. That is 100% the Catholic Church's yep. opinion. Uh, and Integra just looks up at him, this man who is at least two feet taller than her, just killed her two bodyguards. Yeah, yeah. There, she's again on her own with someone who could easily kill her and just goes, wait, hold on. You just cut off his head? Oh, no. <laughs> and he goes like, what? <laughs> oh, honey. <laughs> and then I think she also makes it like, like you really should have um, burned him at the stake and scattered his ashes to the four winds because that's otherwise that's not enough. And he's just like, what? And then proceeds to get attacked by Alucard, who is now made out of blood visceral and bats, like he's coming out of a nightmare before Christmas <laughs> fan fiction. Uh, uh, not nightmare before Christmas. Not not that gory. <laughs> not that gory. <laughs> it is glorious. Mm -hmm. Alucard just rises up and Anderson's like, 
you know what to hell if you have bloody heathens and teleports out in the slickest way by opening a bible and whisking away on glowing bible pages into the wind everything about anderson exudes the most ridiculous amount of style thing one thing that's worth noting about anderson we keep calling them knives they're actually bayonets He's wielding bayonets in his hands and like throwing them like they're throwing knives. It's ridiculous. It's because compared to how massive and buff he is, they are knives. They look like, yeah. There's a good author's note where he's just like, hey, where do where does he keep all of these knives? Better not to ask questions. Hirano's uh, author notes are are something else oh like how he'll occasionally just at the bottom of a page go please for the love of god i need an assistant send your resume i can't keep doing this alone (laughs) help me so that's the end of volume one and just with with how into this we've gotten you if any of you out there are somehow miraculously blind to helsing you now understand exactly how hype this series gets because because this is the warm-up nothing's happened yet we haven't gotten nope. to the valentine brothers yet well it's just kind of setting the groundwork for just understanding the dynamic between the church of england and the vatican and the fact that there are two i want to say super supernatural entities on either side um church of england and vatican that have this i want to say strange well, it's strange rivalry and magnetism toward each other that just permeates throughout the entire series. It's kind of adorable, I think. The reason Anderson can stand up to Alucard isn't just because he's huge and buff and has all these magic silver bayonets. He's got nanomachines, son, and <laughs> regenerates right. endlessly. Yep. And this is actually something important with that through line of Alucard's character. One of the things that's important is... Alucard respects humans that are as determined and willful and strong as the people who beat him. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter the moral standing of that character. It's hard to say whether or not Anderson qualifies as good or evil because there are very few. There's very little good in Helsing. I I would argue Anderson is a good person. The, pro- the the main problem is that his belief system causes him to think Protestants aren't human beings. He also doesn't rage like he could easily, you know, betray his allegiances to the Vatican and just kill all all Protestants TCs. All of that to say Anderson is like Anderson's a very great character, which is very much the intention with him. If they have the will and the strength to do what they want, it's the reason he respects Integra and it's the reason he respects Anderson. Anderson is both powerful, willful and willing to do whatever it takes to accomplish his goals. And there that is why he respects Anderson so much. Yeah, I I think the big thing that we get a through line through Alucard, especially through all that we read, is that the one thing he always respects is human beings standing up to monsters because monsters are insane, insurmountable threats. You need to keep fighting because he was the biggest, strongest monster who has ever existed. And he was defeated by a man. That's what I'm saying. He's a good sportsman. He's a good sport. He is. 
He very much is. Alucard's another character where it he's very intentionally gray, but you kind of have to like and respect him because he is willing to accept that I lost and appreciate that someone was able to beat me fair and square. Do you th- feel like he harbors any serious resentment? I mean, he gets annoyed, but I don't think he harbors any resentment. He harbors resentment, but not... Certainly not at the Helsing organization. He harbors resentment at people he doesn't respect. If you piss him off, he will never let it go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and while we didn't get into it with this reading, he's got a lot of reason to be very angry. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. He is allowed to have, he is allowed to hold on to that anger. 100%. That is beyond the scope of what we read. And getting back to that, we then come to Another uh, one of my favorite segments, just for how gloriously stupid and bloody it is, the Valentine's <laughs> attack on Helsing Manor. Which, oh my god, yeah. Can, can we just go into the fact that it starts with um, the fact that Ceres and Alucard were such good vampires, they were each given new toys? Yes. For no reason, because the new toys are identical to their old toys from the point of view of the audience, but we're told they're better guns. Wait, Sarah's did get a better. She did get. A, she got a better. Yeah, Sarah's goes from a sniper rifle to an anti-tank rifle. Yeah. Given how uh, the mangaka draws guns, the difference between that sniper rifle and the anti-tank rifle is really just size. Oh yes, yeah. that is also true. Instead of having two white guns, Alucard has a black and a white gun now. That's the difference. On top of a red coat, because he didn't look enough like Dante from Devil May Cry. And um, the one thing I really liked was uh, Saris's gun is called the Harkonnen. Yes, <laughs> I love the Harkonnen. Which is really fun because that's a reference to uh, the the antagonist from Dune, Baron Harkonnen, which I only bring up because uh, Saris at one point has a dream that she is talking to the spirit of her gun, who is just Baron Harkonnen from Dune. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, do you have any wisdom to give to me? No. And then the dream ends and that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Sarah. Poor Sarah. Poor Sarah. (laughs) Alucard and Sarah get their new weapons, their iconic guns, the Jackal and the Harkonnen. Integra is meeting with the the 12 which is like british the the illuminati for dealing with the supernatural yeah and uh while this is happening there is another outbreak of the vampire epidemic and i i cannot stress this enough it is almost word for word the same between the abridged series and the way that Luke and Jan Valentine are introduced. The way that they roll up with a bus and it's like, this is a school trip. And then a bunch of submachine guns pop out of the windows and they mow someone down. Like From Texas. <laughs> oh, man. So like I said earlier, you'd be forgiven after uh, the fight between Anderson and Alucard for thinking that this was just going to be Helsing versus Iscariot. But this is the first uh, instance of thinking that there is something more, that there is this third party, which gets alluded to by uh, Integra as they go into the meeting with the Twelve and is very concretely proven as a pair of vampires with a well-armed army of ghouls goes and kicks over Helsing Manor. We have Jan, the incredibly violent psychopath who is also stupid horny for some reason. Yep. <laughs> incredibly vulgar. Yeah. Incredibly vulgar as well. And also have to question what their childhood was like, because I just can't see them being brothers. 
But apparently it was confirmed they were, in fact, brothers. Yeah, yeah. because uh, both of them, uh, after this arc, appear at the end of every volume in a little side panel thing. But yeah, basically, the attack on Helsing is a lot of panels of ghouls just mowing people down. Like, I think there's at least a solid chapter of just that. Mm hmm. And uh, we finally get any form of resistance is when they get close enough to the door the Council of Twelve is behind, where uh, Walter, the butler, up until this point, we are then revealed that um, not only is Walter a butler, but he also is a trained dealer of death. Yeah. Uh, because back in World War II, him and Alucard fought the Nazis. How do those garrot wires work? I don't know. He's got garrot wires that he can just flick and cut people into ribbons from and like they do things that garrot wires should not be able to do. No. <laughs> yeah. They like change whether or not they cut through flesh like butter and then are also capable of grappling things. <laughs> it's yeah. weird. It is so cool, but it makes no sense whatsoever. It's really, really cool, though. <laughs> but Walter and Saris have been called in to deal with the ghoul army, which they do rather handily. My favorite part being Jan being like, all right, cool. You got your garrot wires, whatever. Here's my ghouls with incredibly thick armor and giant riot shields. Try me now. And then just explosions as Saris is using her anti-tank rifle from down the hallway because bitches love cannons. As that entire mess is going down, Luke has tracked down Alucard's basement because Alucard's just chilling in the basement right now. Yep. He could he could not give less of a shit. I'm just going to wait for their boss character to show up and fight me and wait. He does. <laughs> I don't know if this was just the translation that I had or if you guys had it, too. Is Luke walking down the stairs and saying, you can't hide from me, Dark Lord. I can feel your evil key rising. Yes, I had that, too. I was going to note that it's like it was doing such a good job of sounding like it was in England. Not that it like has to disguise the fact that it's a manga and it's reading you know, left to right and all that stuff. And then Chi comes out of nowhere and I'm like, <laughs> fine, I'm not mad about this, but like, come on. He, he kind of, he kind of give, gave me the vibes that he probably had a hippie pilgrimage at one point. I'm not going to lie. Like, he, he's the type of brother who would do that. Luke appears to me like the guy who spent uh, like week one summer in Thailand and now won't stop about like how much of a spiritual experience it was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, I caught on to that, but then I'm like looking at it and I'm like, yeah, he probably would have done that. <laughs> he was that guy. And Alucard just chilling like a baller in his throne with him with the wine glasses next to him and everything. Just sitting there like, even if I hide from you, hmm? <laughs> who's hiding? Oh, my gosh. Their initial confrontation is the the literal most overt because it's like I've seen stuff tie for this overt, but it is the most overt gun as metaphor for penis and violence as metaphor for sex moment because they shoot each other, at which point Jan falls on his back and the place where he puts his gun is just like <laughs> it's completely egregious going on about how he is the superior vampire how he was like made to destroy something as powerful as alucard and alucard's like that's neat kid uh rest release restraint level one and that's when we find out that alucard's been holding back this entire time <laughs> and that actually brings up an interesting thing because the inevitable happens luke is annihilated like alucard 
you know, blasts his legs off with his new guns. All the while, because like Luke was talking such hot trash, Alucard responds, obviously with, come on, come on. You No, you were talking all that good a minute ago. Grow back your legs, summon up your demons, hit me, fight, fight me. me. Give me a hug. Remember I said before, uh, hold on to that thought about comparing uh, Alucard to Saitama? Uh-huh. The sort of hilarious idea that popped into my head is... Alucard is evil Saitama. Like we were saying that that would be boring. Just making like Saitama with gag manga logic intact into an evil character is hideously boring. Alucard isn't a gag manga character, but he is otherwise literally just evil Saitama. (laughs) Evil, but I see I see what you're putting down here. And I just want to kind of say he's like really the tragic hero here. And it, it kind of is not as explicitly in your face, but I, I can see what you're saying just in the fact that he really wants, you know, a worthy opponent. That's really what he's looking for. That they isn't just one shot. One thing that, Matt, you mentioned about Saitama as a character that was, I think, a very good um, observation of him was that Saitama is at his most disappointed when he hits someone and they don't get back up. Mm-hmm. And we see that moment with Alucard where he's not he's not taunting Luke saying, grow back your legs, summon up your demons. He's saying, oh, if you're really that good, then let's get serious. Mm-hmm. Come on, let's do it. You're really blue balling me here, man. <laughs> I think he even says that, doesn't he? He says something close to that. It, it's probably. <laughs> yeah. Luke did get back up after he got shot. Now Code's like, oh, freaking finally. All right, let's go, man. Come on. And then no. Uh... He was only getting up to run away in terror. Yeah, which really pissed him off, naturally. Luke starts tapping out, just like, yeah, okay, no, dude, I thought I was strong. You're a freak. You're a monster. You're just Helsing's Which dog. is very insulting because he approaches Alucard initially, like, with some adoration, kind of just like, we idolize you so much, but we have advanced to surpass you, and I'm stronger than you, and I'm this and I'm that. And now he's just like, what? What? And it's great because while um, Luke's running away, he calls back just like, yeah, you're just Helsing's dog, which prompts Alucard to just go, oh, I'm a dog, eh? Well, then let's get real metaphorical here. <laughs> he shapeshifts into some kind of eldritch abomination of a dog that's also with his face inside its mouth. That shoots a gun? (laughs) Isn't one of his familiars is legitimately playing off of that Bram Stoker, like, dog-wolf familiar? I'm pretty sure it's a literal hound of hell. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It just, you know, the reference to why don't you call out one of your familiars Mm -hmm. to repair, you know, your injuries? Why don't you get back up? Kind of like, okay, so has Alucard one of his familiars? Obviously, he's a canine type. Yeah, and in Stoker, Dracula had power over wolves and could transform into a wolf. So mm-hmm. pretty awesome. If you haven't read it, anyone read it. It's a good it's read. So good. Well, it's yeah. great because then we get the greatest one-liner ever. Was oh well, if I'm a dog from Helsing, I guess that makes you dog. Yes, and then proceeds <laughs> to eat him. Yep. <laughs> yep. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> this is why we simp for Alucard. He is the man. And we immediately go from Alucard just top of the world, annihilating this guy to admittedly another really cool moment. Uh, this is this is the arm bars everywhere moment. Yeah, Jan mm-hmm. has been captured by Walter and Saris, and they're interrogating him, and he's he is not caring. He manages to break free from Saris's hold and sends 
yet more ghouls after them. Where did he get these ghouls? Oh, right. No, the Helsing soldiers. Ah, and this is this is, again, the case where this is a really, really good series. The parody is amazing. I could make a joke about how if you've seen the abridged series, you've experienced Helsing and you don't have to read the manga, but read the manga because they take this moment as seriously as it should be taken. As irreverent as the series is, this is not a gag manga. This is a drama and they treat this moment with the respect that it deserves. And it is a really, really like it's it's actually like a genuinely horrifying moment. Like Casera starts blood raging again, destroying the ghouls. Co work they're they're everyone's co-workers. Mm-hmm. Jan runs to go uh, destroy the 12, but they they were waiting with their guns. Yep. And so they shoot him down. Uh, so Jan gets gunned down. He's not dead, but he's not doing anything at the moment either. And that's when Integra notices what Saris is doing and is just completely horror struck. She pulls mm-hmm. Saris out of the moment. But this was the part where, like I mentioned earlier, how I had forgotten just how many times Integra has dealt the <laughs> of hands. She stops Saris from the blood rage, but the ghouls are still alive, even, even though they're so maimed at this point that they can't do anything. And Integra goes to order Walter to uh, destroy them and put them out of their misery. And one of the other Council of Twelve members is like, no, Integra, they were your men. You do it. Which partially a dick move on their part. But yeah. also, Integra is just a real bamf. And she's like, yeah, I know they're trying to like make me admit I'm weak. But I'm not going to let them get away with that. I am going to take responsibility. I'm going to do this. And then we're going to uh, beat the shit out of Yon until he tells us what we want to know. And like, this is such a good moment because it's so layered. Because on the one hand, yeah, that Council of Twelve member is being being a dick and trying to put Integra in a bad situation. But he's also not entirely wrong. It's the Helsing organization. They fight vampires. This is something that, you know, it's like, how do you deal with this kind of contingency? But like, they should have been on the table. So it is kind of Integra's responsibility. One other thing that they make very, very, very clear is that a ghoul is no longer a person. The person that was the ghoul, you never go back. There is no going back. That person is dead. That soul is long gone. There mm-hmm. is nothing left. It's just a show. Doesn't want to see those people be killed either. Like it's only after, you know, like she stops Saris from killing the ghouls who are not her coworkers anymore. They're already dead. This is the other like really big moment that shows how strong of a character Integra is because full of empathy to want to preserve whatever she can but then ultimately understanding that it has to be done and it is also my responsibility. One of the alternatives you could do if you wanted to make, again, air quotes, strong female character, you could have her not care about all those people. Oh, well, acceptable losses, pop, pop, pop. But she doesn't do that and she comes off as such a more uh, relatable empathetic and stronger person for the way that the scene is framed. It is a brilliantly framed sequence. No, it's it's great and it's probably my... Uh, there's a lot of good Integra moments, but that's a really top tier moment of the series because she does it. She takes responsibility for her lead- point of leadership. She is responsible for the situation. It came out of nowhere. It's not her fault, but that does not make her not responsible for it. It's just overall really great. And we also get the interrogation of Jan right now. Does that happen? Yeah, that happens. Yeah, that happens. I- yeah. I heard George Lucas. Anyone else hear George Lucas? 
Yeah, basically, um, Jan uh, is being interrogated and he's just like, look, they already know I lost. They've been monitoring us. I guess Luke's dead. Uh, so before they firebomb me, because apparently all these vampires that have been mass produced have tiny microchips in them that explode their bodies into fire. Yeah, uh, actually, they're vampires. It probably is like there's a capsule of holy water that can be there's something probably. Yeah, there there is some vampire thing that lights vampires on fire because vampires were essentially turned into vampires with a contingency. Yeah, and basically he gets out right as he's saying, I'll give you one hint before I die. Flips off everyone. Millennium. And then and then his entire body burns to ashes, except for raised middle finger. Yeah, in, in true fashion. He died doing what he loved. <laughs> well, one of the things he loved. He uh, also yeah. apparently loved eating people. Well, skull that is expanded upon in the anime a lot. <laughs> At least I'm going to die with a raging boner. Yeah. <laughs> That's a very accurate interpretation of his character, too. Yeah. Like, again, the abridged series didn't have to change much. In, in case this isn't obvious, this is the manga's first non-hentai work. Oh, my God, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, he's really involved in the doujin front. That's amazing. That explains that explains uh, Saris's outfit. Yep. Uh huh. Yep. <laughs> oh, you mean the military fatigues made of spandex that are no way practical. That perfectly contour her boobs. Yeah. Yeah. That like they're boob socks. Why? Oh With pockets on the end too. <laughs> oh my god! That imagery. <laughs> um. But basically, we get a whole bunch of pages after this of um, Integra and Walter investigating Millennium. And we really just get it beaten into us that no one has any idea what this word could possibly mean. Until I think it's Integra who just immediately says, by the way, I've known all along. <laughs> it was Nazis. And then everyone's just like, I mean, yeah. That's kind of their thing. It's not that weird of a connection. It's kind of weird that the internet was scrubbed of all references except for a Star Wars fan group. <laughs> <laughs> I love how Integra says this. Yeah, she's the one who, who is, she like orders the investigation and yet apparently she knew all along. Like it's that's very much the irreverent tone. But but it's amazing because she's just like Millennium can only refer to Hitler's Nazi Germany. She says to the World War II veteran. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now we've established our nebulous third party, Nazis. With everyone at Helsing dead, except for the vampires and the other two badasses. And a few people who were on vacation. Yeah, there were like three people on vacation. A total of nine people survived. Walter, Integra, and the seven people who were on vacation at the time. Yeah. So, so folks, take your vacation seriously. It might save your life. So now they have to rebuild their forces, and they hire a French mercenary group, the Wild Geese. With their dashing commander, the gloriously French, Pip Bernadotte. <laughs> oh, I love Pip. He's great. <laughs> What is that? is that? You say you are vampires? Like the German characters, too, all have phonetically transcribed accents as thickly as humanly possible. He is insanely French. This is yeah. the third one. Yeah. 
is painfully French. It's great. We have the situation of the, the wild geese are like, vampires, what are you, crazy? And so Integra's like, police girl, show them. And Ceres just casually uses her vampire powers to do the most minimal thing of flicking Pip on the forehead and sending him flying across the room. And then, of course, a moment later, uh, Alucard pops out of the wall. Hey, kids, want to see a dead body? <laughs> also, I've always been able to just walk through walls. It's never come up until now. And it won't come up again. And it won't come up again. <laughs> I'm Alucard. I have lots of powers. Don't ask about it. That it yes, that is Helsing in a nutshell. Yep. But we don't get a lot of time to hang out with the wild geese before. Uh, Integra receives a met, uh, a letter. Uh, of course, it's the Iscariots again. <laughs> Specifically, Father Enrico Maxwell, their commander. The, the smarmiest Italian motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. So, and they, yeah. With regards to with regards to Maxwell, this is actually an important point because we've been getting uh, shades of uh, another major character, the major. The, the comparison between four characters, I think, is is something important relative to what I was saying about the way Alucard is and how strong of a character Integra is. You have Integra who understands she's hideously out of her depth and has no chance of survival, let alone success, and yet keeps going anyway. Then you have the major who we were talking about how Gray Anderson is, but Alucard respects him because he's willing to fight monsters and willing to not, you know, flinch in the face of them. The major is that way, too. He is as evil as it gets. There's yeah. no ambiguity there. But Alucard respects him as a person because he does not fear monsters. He stands, you know, he stands to face them without a second thought. He is the worthy opponent that we talked about earlier. And therefore, Alucard respects him as well. Then you have Maxwell. And Maxwell is so fake. You can see it in the way that his face contorts. At a subconscious level, at least he knows that he is hideously out of his depth, has no chance of survival, let alone success. But he pretends he's in control, and that's why Alucard doesn't even acknowledge his presence unless he does something to piss Alucard off. So the, the thing about Father Maxwell is I think he walks a fine line of is he pretending or does he just have insanely blind faith that he is ordained by God to hunt monsters? Because yeah. he goes far down that line yeah yeah i think it's i think it's i think it varies depending on the because like there there are moments where reality comes crashing in and he realizes how out of control the situation is but most of the time he's so smarmy we do have a few bonus chapters at the end of each volume where we see the uh shenanigans that iscariot got up to before the story itself began in what we see in Crossfire, it's not hard to believe why Maxwell is so ridiculously overconfident because he can just throw Heinkel, Yumi, and Anderson at anything and the problem gets solved. So he's in a similar position to Integra, but he doesn't have his own strength of character. I'd, I'd argue he's actually like the opposite situation of Integra because he is in charge of an organization and the three like power hitters who do all his work for him at no point take him to task. He is removed from the actual conflict, whereas Integra is forcibly reminded every single time anything happens is this organization is but a weapon you are using. 
you are responsible for what happens. This has been your decision. You don't get to ignore that. You are a murderer. Yeah, we're going to get real into that once we go down to Brazil. It's not just that things show up and force Integra to see that. There's also another element of she does go to Northern Ireland herself. She's willing to take the steps herself. It's just fate has a way of, you know, kicking her in the teeth as well. Meanwhile, Maxwell just hangs out in Vatican City, receiving reports and giving orders. But uh, Maxwell did show up here to the to this uh, information exchange. Ostensibly, they're here to trade intel on this common enemy, and uh, they just start taking pot shots at each other until eventually uh, Integra insults Maxwell so severely that he decides to throw a hissy fit and bring out his older brother Anderson to come and threaten to beat them up. Except Anderson's absolutely fucking willing to throw down right the hell now. And Alucard is here, too. So, so is he. Yeah, he specifically goes on like, you Protestant sow, you think I would care if two million of your Protestant lives were washed into the sea? I'm here on direct orders from the Pope, and I would not be here for any other reason. So the second you do something I don't like, this meeting ends and I kill your little vampire toy I know you brought with you. Which, in all fairness... Helsing is not in super good graces because as far as like a partnership between the two of them, Iscariot has some ground to stand on going like, wait, why do you have vampires? Uh, true, true. Why are you working with this literal force of evil if you claim to be holy? Not to mention the fact that Helsing is in a uh, position of weakness as their staff is a mercenary group and the two vampires plus a butler, uh, whereas Iscariot has an army. Yeah, that's all Helsing's rocking right now. When Maxwell tries to throw his weight around therein, that's when Alucard and uh, Anderson see each other. That magnetism, man. Yeah, they see each other, immediately pop their murder boners and get ready to fight until yep. until Saris diffuses the situation by playing tour guide to some old Japanese folk. That was just beautiful, and I love the anime cutaway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love how this was apparently uh, Saris's plan to defuse the situation if a fight broke out, was to lure these Japanese tourists through here, a point which Walter goes, good thinking, girl. But isn't it hilarious <laughs> that the mangaka picked up on that and included that, that, yeah, it's Japanese tourists, let's be honest. <laughs> a bunch of old Japanese, because they're in, um, they're in like uh, a famous museum in England. The Imperial War Museum, yeah. And that and like one of the one of the old tourists even notes the fact that Alucard is pointing guns right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, everyone has guns in England. <laughs> They're just meandering along. And Alucard and Anderson simultaneously go, Yeah, this kind of ruined the mood. Yep. Boner <laughs> over. Well, I'm soft now. <laughs> and like, <laughs> kill you next time, you Catholic sociopath. Whoops, tautology. But they do literally say the mood has been killed. Like, uh huh. No, it's it's a sex metaphor in the manga. It's, like, it's I, a very overt. That's the thing that kept striking me is that at no point is the abridged series actually different. It's literally just shorter with slightly more memes. Yeah, yes. how you actually make an abridged series? Yep. I mean, you kind of can't make an abridged series something that it's not, and the mo and the series is already made by an adult artist, so yeah. I mean, not too much leeway there. But anyway, 
now with his uh, big Catholic watchdog being put on the leash and walked away, uh, Father Maxwell goes, well, fine, I guess I'll tell you everything we know. <laughs> so it looks like Millennium was a secret group of Nazis that funneled a bunch of money over to South America, where they built a whole base and were planning to restart the war effort over there. Oh, you're asking how could possibly the Vatican know about that? Because we helped. Did you know that the Pope helped Nazis? We <laughs> did, because it was so good. He just goes off on like this. Ah, did you learn this in high school? Ah, yes. <laughs> yeah. And meanwhile, Herr Major and Herr Doctor are like in the same cafe listening in on this like, woohoo, the plot thickens. Ooh, they are talking about us. Ooh. I love her major. He's so, he's so campy. He knew Alucard was going to be here and he showed up anyway. It's like, yeah. oh, their greatest enemy is only a table away from them. They would never know. Her major is so campy. It's ridiculous. He is campy enough in a series. He is a beautiful spot of levity in a series that would otherwise be vampires killing Nazis who are also vampires. He eats the scenery like a ham sandwich every single time he shows up on panel. Uh, but this is how we find out that the vampire, that the Nazis are in Brazil, the, the vampire Nazis. Yes. Also the Nazis, but most importantly, the vampire Nazis. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, reality <laughs> fiction reflects reality. So Integra sends uh, Alucard, Saris, and Pip on a search and destroy mission to go and find these uh, assholes and show them what for. Which is almost word for word what she says, except it's more eloquent. <laughs> and it's great because uh, Saris hasn't drank blood yet. She needs to be packed in a coffin filled with soil from her birthplace in order to survive being shipped across the water. Yeah, Alucard is so ridiculously powerful that the standard vampire weaknesses don't up. But he hates the sun. Yeah, he specifically says, I'm not weak to the sun. I just don't like it. I only wear the hat because the sun annoys me, not because it's a threat. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. He talk, he talks about all these vampire problems like they are minor inconveniences to him, which they basically are. Meanwhile, poor Saris in the box. Just, ah, let me out, please. It's not even like a speech balloon. It's just words exuding from the box. Let me out. I'm <laughs> afraid of confined spaces. Oh, poor Saris. What, what is Alucard's... Um... Uh, pseudonym when he goes over to Brazil. JB Dinner or something? Dinner? Oh, JB Dinner, because it's the wrong. <laughs> yeah. Twice in this section, they translate an R into an L when it shouldn't be, because uh, they don't go. The city in uh, Brazil they go to is Leo de Janeiro. <laughs> Uh-huh, at the Hotel Leo. I, d I don't know how you mess up Rio de Janeiro that badly, but here we are. It, it is L and R that are the same sound, but it's just... Yeah. It's a it's, place name. <laughs> yeah, that's true, too. Either way, Jesus wants a hug. They arrive at the Hotel Rio, and Alucard uses his um, amazing hypnotic vampire sex powers on the Yowie receptionist boy <laughs> in order to get the penthouse. <laughs> Is this a problem? <laughs> it's just every time I forget that it's going to happen. And then I'm like, oh, shit, it's the Yahweh receptionist, man. Here we then, go again. And then Pip's just like, oh, did you use some kind of uh, freaky sex beam on him? 
<laughs> and then Alucard tries it on Pip and it doesn't work, which is confirmation. Yes, it's a freaky sex beam. <laughs> and there's uh, just a lovely line about Pip going like, I don't really know what to do in such an expensive hotel. Freaking bougies. Yeah. And then um, Alucard's just like, eh, cheap hotels have their advantages as well. And Pip's just like, oh, yes, they do. <laughs> and they're both just like, yeah. yeah. That's when, you know, we have the uh, the moment with Sarah streaming about the spirit of her gun, which is completely inconsequential. Uh, and she but wakes up. Funny. But but rather funny. And she wakes up to um, the penthouse is under attack by the military police. Oh, my God. <laughs> they're there to look for information and, and are immediately attacked. With the media saying that a pair of terrorists have taken over and slaughtered a whole bunch of employees. We don't even Young get... A young British woman and some Ozzy Osbourne looking motherfucker. We don't even get confirmation if any of the employees were actually killed or if that's just a lie that Millennium fed them. But I would not be surprised if they actually did kill off some people. Yeah, Rio is long gone and we never get like the only people we actually see die are the police. Mm -hmm. But we also don't see literally anyone else anywhere in the entire. And it's like, yeah, they cleared the motel or the hotel, obviously. But we also never see anyone anywhere else. There's a weird time skip. Like, Alucard takes a nap in a chair and wakes up and everything's on fire. Uh-huh. Which is weird because the wild geese, I assume, didn't all take a nap together. But who knows? Mm -hmm. I, wasn't Pip the only one who was there? Yeah, oh, the yeah. rest of them were oh, you're, you're right. You're right. Yeah, Pip, Pip was, was the only one who was there. The rest were getting Me into... Meanwhile, Pip was in his hotel room and he sees the report on the TV and and uh, Spit takes his beer. And then Pip's just like, well, looks like I'm going to have to be the only competent character in this arc. <laughs> yeah, because uh, as is revealed that's, to us. That's not an accurate assessment of what happens. Alucard doesn't do anything other than get his fight boner on. He effectively mm -hmm. fails his mission, except that he doesn't because he just gets to decide that at the end. Uh, they came there for Millennium, but Millennium came to them with Tulbukin Alhambra, uh, otherwise known as the Dandy Man, who has convinced a bunch of the local officials that, hey, if you go f this guy up for me, I'll totally turn you into a vampire and you get to live forever. Yeah. Sounds good to me. That's all <laughs> I needed to hear. The police kick in the door. Alucard murders the hell out of them. And notably, while a lot of people have died in this manga, this is the first time we see a Helsing-aligned vampire murder living people. And Ceres brings that up. She sees the corpses and freaks the hell out. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Alucard is pissed because the one remaining guy decided to uh, take his own life instead of die to Alucard, which is... Alucard just considers that the most coward thing ever, and he is furious. He's like grabbing that look of disgust on his face when we're off panel while the guy's shooting himself in the head. We get oh, two panels yeah. of him looking down at him like, what are you doing? And then just a look of utter revulsion of why would you do that? Yeah, that was palpable. He's like grabbing Sarah's by the collar, shaking her and screaming. Is this when he gets on his little hissy fit phone call with uh, Integra? Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's how he gets over his issues with police officer who kills himself. And then Saris is freaking out. And he's like, I need someone who actually has a spine. And he calls Integra. And he taunts Integra for a couple of panels. Just like, hey, 
master. What do you want me to do, master? I'm your gun, master. Where are you gonna point me and shoot me, master? And she goes, all right, stop around. I gave you your mission, go kill them. And Alucard's like, gets me hard, let's go. I had forgotten the actual line of that's, <laughs> that causes a stirring in my loins. We, we're gonna have to like TVMA this episode. <laughs> Oh, it in is. case that wasn't just, obvious. Yeah. I'm just saying, there's no way you can make this PG, like, 13. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Seriously, guys. There's no so, way. So, I know everyone who's been listening to this until now, uh, uh, this episode's been marked explicit. Yeah. If you wanted to watch something that wasn't explicit, you are now an hour in, maybe? Who knows? And are, and are both blind and deaf. So, uh, forget you watched this and go uh, listen to Yu-Gi-Oh! again. <laughs> that's the point where uh left foot trapped in sensual seduction starts playing and alucard just goes on a absolute rampage murdering the police going down the elevator it's honestly like for how brutally violent this manga has been this entire time this is a part that like it really started to get to me i'm just like all right, all right, you've proved your point. Oh, where Alucard just keeps walking at them as they shoot his head like in half? Uh-huh. And they're screaming and crying and freaking out. And then they're just stuck in the elevator with him. Tripping over themselves, trying to run away. Mm hmm He opens the door to the elevator with his guns. Yeah, open sesame. The other thing that's sort of like sort of getting into like the kinds of people Alucard like does or doesn't respect. Hypnotize one of the people to keep the door open for him as he walks menacingly at them. Um, like the other officers mow that guy down and kick him out of the elevator to try to close it in time. Mm -hmm. At which point Alucard's gotten close enough that he can hold the door open with his guns. And uh, and then we get. I mean, if you haven't figured out who Alucard is at this point, uh, we get the scene where he yeets a bunch of guys out a window and impales them on the flagpoles. There's like 12 flagpoles, too. So it's like <laughs> uh, right in front of all of the news cameras, which are filming live. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're sort of clear, but they're also not super clear about whether or not people know supernatural things explicitly exist. It's I, like I, they're going to know now. <laughs> Yeah, I think what you were saying earlier about how Integra just exposition dumps to a police officer. I don't think vampires are like a government secret in this universe because nothing leads me to believe that. But a bunch of people express shock that vampires exist, though. Yeah, like the police officers that Integra exposition dumps at and the wild geese. It might be a Dresden Files situation if people don't want to believe something so horrifying. So there's a mass hope. There's basically a mass psychosis of nobody wanting to acknowledge it. That scene is just the preface for, hey, dandy man, let's have a cool one on one vampire fight. Meanwhile, Pip has successfully disguised himself as one of the Brazilian police officers, walks into the command tent, pops all of them in the head uh lays some c4 walks out and not only does he cool guys don't look at explosions he's in the middle of lighting a cigarette as the bomb goes off oh my god pip is pip actually got his job done as opposed to alucard who <laughs> caused a bunch of violence and then accidentally got his job done <laughs> lucked into it yeah and man the dandy man fight because dandy man um unlike luke is like one of the first vampires that gives Alucard not exactly trouble, but um, he can regenerate. Like, yeah, 
he regenerates and he's got those card clones. So Alucard can't just one shot him. Yeah, like I, he has everybody else. I wasn't 100 percent sure. It, does he just have a vampire power to turn into playing cards? I'm pretty sure they magic are... vampires don't question it. OK, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's like 90 percent of the vampires in Helsing. Just stop. If you have to ask, just you're, you're getting too deep. You I just know. assumed yep. he had a playing card thing. Yeah, I mean, he probably was a gambler, like it probably is an allusion to something. Either way, uh, the fight goes to the roof after causing extensive collateral damage, murdering the hell out of some poor bystanders, including. Well, they shouldn't have been there. Mm -hmm. That's my mm -hmm. argument. That's what happens when you film vampire news. You get shot. That's why yeah. people don't do it. <laughs> you get you get shot with explosive magic silver blast bullets. And, yeah, that's why and... I'm not out there. I think this is a good enough time for this question as any. Do you guys think Alucard using those super bullets is actually his way of handicapping himself? Because huh. he does complain at one point in this scene that is like, I'm running out of ammo. We don't we can't stay here forever. But it's like, couldn't you just punch yeah. them? Yeah, I think in a way it's kind of merciful for him to use the bullets. Well, the bullets instantly end a supernatural thing's life. So it's it's strictly speaking more humane and we see what we do see what happens when Alucard just engages in hand to hand combat in this because it's not pleasant. It's not pleasant. No, nope. And I, I think it's the case where when he's not release restraint level somethinging and he's just being a dude with two guns, the guns are more efficient because like he can probably hit as hard as the bullets do, but the bullets also are a ranged weapon. Well, it's not about hitting hard. It's how he hits. Yeah. And the fact that you were going to wish that you were just hit with a bullet. You're going to wish you were shot as opposed to when Alucard gets to you. So, yeah, I think I think to some extent he is actually handicapping himself, but also he's handicapping himself by just being in that form. And the guns are like a half step up of being empty handed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Doesn't is I don't know if it was just my fan trans if my translation, but there was also a little snippet of him authorizing a certain level of restraint. I don't know if that was already referenced, but yeah. Release restraint level one. That's what he says when he uh when he starts using some of his actual powers instead of being yeah that's actually quite funny because um if we ever get to it that is a reference a very powerful reference to one of my favorite series um trinity blood so hmm. but yeah nice. <laughs> they take the fight to the roof and in case you're wondering where Saris is, Alucard is like, all right, you're useless to me if you're gonna keep whinging like this. Go commandeer a helicopter so we have a way out of here. And then she starts spreading excuses like, how am I supposed to do it? And I'm like, I don't know. Figure it out, woman. <laughs> yeah. Which incidentally is also Alucard's response. <laughs> but um, <laughs> as it turns out, she kind of just pawned that off onto Pip because she's waiting on the roof with the coffins and the Harkonnen. And she just starts taking pot shots at Danny, man. I, yeah. I can only imagine Pip's response to that phone call was getting that phone call checking to see it was Saris, putting his cigarette out, goes like, you want me to do what? You realize I just took out the entire enemy support, uh, like administrative structure. Oh, so I also need to do your errands for you. Fine. <laughs> I would not be you surprised. You don't understand. Pip gets things done. He does. It's He's great. like the one competent. It's like Pip and Integra 
and I'd say arguably Walter. It's just Walter's usually just at the estate. Mm-hmm. No, Wal- Walter's the same level of he's only competent because his powers are bullshit. <laughs> like Alucard. <laughs> Alucard's only competent because because his powers are bullshit. Yeah, and he's not even competent then because this fight, he almost like he gets to the end of killing this dude. It's like, oh, that's right. I needed some information from you. Well, Let, let's have some cool makeout sessions and I'll I'm, take it from you. Hey, Dandy I'm Man, gonna... you lost. And now I have to read your mind by drinking all of your blood. <laughs> om nom nom. <laughs> and drink all the blood he does, which allows Alucard to internalize his memories. Sure. Okay. And uh, knows all the deets about Millennium, including the fact that his favorite frenemy, the Major, is still kicking around. Can we just yeah. talk about the panel where he absorbs uh, Dandy Man's... Um, he, he absorbs more yeah. than his memory. He absorbs his body into him. Yeah. Like, as he's eating him, he's, like, absorbing his body. And mm-hmm. because of the Millennium tracking thing, his the Dandy Man's explodes and he's on fire. And it's just this amazing full-page spread of Alucard, and he's got, like, burning blood traveling in through his face. And, like, Dandy yeah. Man is disintegrating in flame while being consumed. It's just... It is amazing. And Alucard is laughing and clapping. Yeah. By this point in the manga, the art issue, like the art issues have gone from eh, here and there to super rare. And by this point, it's basically all just style. If there's any kind of like off model of anything. It's for a gag. The thing, it's either for a gag or just for like this incredibly stylish shot. Because like, you know, we were making fun of the fact that there's never two eyes on anyone's face at a time. But the way that they use like the the glowing of eyes. Here's the guy over here who like uh, deeply and seriously analyzes Dragon Ball. This is... As much as you can also do that with Helsing, Helsing is the kind of series that wants you to just take in how cool it is and not think about it. You're supposed to suspend reality and just kind of become fully immersed in the world and enjoy it for what it is. Yeah, the the plot is a vehicle for cool action scenes. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's hard to pull off. Because you kind of have to care about the characters. You kind of have to care about mm. Alucard. You kind of have to care about Sarah's. How can you not care about Alucard? He's the best. But that's the thing. That's that's where the, where the quality is. Because if it was just a bunch of really, really cool pictures, I'd have been bored of it ha- like halfway through what we read. But it's so engrossing. And then there are just these moments where the art just takes actually now that I think about it, make another comparison to one punch man, because it's kind of the same case, except one punch man is more funny. Well, it's a parody. It's a, it's a parody series yeah. of this. Probably. Well, here's where we're getting into the uh, end of what we read for this particular segment. We're not at the end yet. Well, I, we're kind of, because this is like the last major fight. Uh, the rest of what we've read is, you know, kind of the build up to the next part. We have one glorious scene of Maxwell going full Inquisitor on one of the guys who helped Millennium escape 50 years ago. One of oh the bishops. God. Yeah, and that's like what brings back, like, Iscariot walks the fine line of being basically antagonist to Helsing, while also backing up, it's like, no, they're on the same side. They just hate each other. Uh, the bishop goes into all these details about what a horrid little monster of a man the major is. Because he's and, sold out. 
yeah and and then maxwell's like yes a horrid a horrid little disgusting man and you helped him why and when the bishop can't come up with a good answer he's like all right uh well i think our uh, mission is done here amen heinkel do it well it's and great because it's not even like i think our mission is done here he just kind of goes like by the way we didn't need a confession yeah they already yeah. resigned they already resigned themselves so they're going to kill this bishop they keep talking about how fat the major is. He doesn't look that overweight. Thank you for picking up on this, Jacob, because I was arguing this very thing earlier. I'm like, everyone says how fat he was, and I'm looking at him, and perhaps this is just my American bias, but I'm the just like, he's not a fat. Make the anime chubby. Yeah, the yeah. anime chops yeah. him up. In this, he really isn't. Like, the first full shot we get of the major, I was actually shocked at how thin he well, looked. Well, here's the thing. He is kind of fat for a German soldier in World War II. Yeah. But was he actually a soldier? I mean, he was a first lieutenant, but was he? did he actually see yes. action? First lieutenants are soldiers. He was an SS but, officer, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it's, it, it is the case where it's like he does not have the expected build of a soldier. They do such a good job of making him look cool. And like, they... They never make any bones about the fact that you're supposed to loathe this guy. And it's easy to because he is loathsome. But it's, again, the case. It's, it's so cool, though. Like, the, the, way, the shot composition of the first full shot we see where um, the bishop is describing meeting the major in person and, like, the dead eyes and stuff. And, like, just that the look that he has on his face is... He's, like, genuinely scared of the major. Even just the memory of him 50 years later is terrifying. It's and it and like the art really conveys that. But um, it's at this point where we finally start to get more um, action with Hair Major. You know, he was also among the people watching the incident in Brazil, and he's delighted by it. Uh, Herr Doctor is less so. He's nervous that, oh, no, our latest vampire got destroyed. But Major's completely fine with it. Major, Doctor, and um, the Captain, the, the the silent broody type man. Can I just say, I love the disparity of the costumes. Hair Major looks like your average evil officer type. He looks like he walked out of a history book in a Waffen-SS officer's uniform. Mm -hmm. uniform. Yeah. Uh, Herr Doctor has got the most insane midriff going. Yep. <laughs> and the glasses. What is up with his glasses? He's got oh. eight framed glasses. He's like a spider. Yeah, hold on. Let's not get started on how every character in this entire manga has glasses. Yeah. <laughs> that then, was even in one of the author's yeah. notes. Huh. I just noticed all the characters have glasses. How about that? It's because he doesn't like drawing eyes. <laughs> yes. And it's so much easier to do dramatic uh, reflections off of lenses. But um, and then the captain is just head to toe in his oversized coat and hat. You can barely see his eyes. Mm -hmm. Mr. Broody Boy, our three Millennium officers go to return to the base with their success. Success. We're calling it a success. The major thinks it's success. Yes. Yes. The uh, Nazi leadership who are living in abstentia in uh, Brazil do not think this is a success at all. But to be fair, the major does have one advantage his opponents sorely lack. Zeppelins. Zeppelins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they actually ride on a giant Zeppelin. <laughs> 
just to really drive home how hammy the millennium is. I mean, they are Nazis. They're about yeah. as cartoonish. Like, they are a cartoon villain because that's what the Nazis were in real life. Poor Alucard, Pip, and Saris. They are stranded in Brazil. How are they ever going to get back? They don't have a plane or a boat, and they need to get back right away. The queen called them. Anderson, why are you here? <laughs> <laughs> magnetism man they're yeah, bound we, to be together i know wherever you are alucard <laughs> oh there's a and dojin I, and I, <laughs> you know there I is know, I don't know yeah, uh, yeah, the fact that the catholic is. church strong-armed you into helping us or the fact that you clearly haven't seen what i've done to the statue of big j anderson and alucard get into a quick brawl with each other they have a quickie it's okay they, they have a quickie yeah <laughs> and anderson's like uh, God, uh, God's decided to show mercy on you bloody heathens. And uh, it's like, there's a small airport to the uh, few miles away from here. Disguised as a crop duster, you can get a private jet from the Vatican to take you back to your heathen island. That f***ed off the lot of you. <laughs> Which isn't far off from the actual text of the manga. Yeah, unfortunately. It's, it's, yeah. It nope. does rather handily uh, fix the situation that they find themselves in as they have to get back to England to have their uh, meeting with the Queen. And indeed, they show back up where uh, the Council of Twelve, Integra, and Maxwell, for reasons, are all are all gathered to meet with Queen Liz. As Alucard, Alucard is returning to uh, England, this is also intercut with the Major returning to uh, the like normal not-vampire Nazis. The two salient points here are... One, we get introduced to the the werewolves explicitly existing because uh, the captain, the uh, big boy, and uh, a character that we've we've been oh so looking forward to discussing are both uh, explicitly referred to as werewolves. And the other point relative to that is well, that hold on, they're explicitly referred to as werewolves, werewolves, werewolves. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> This is another case where you have characters who are completely out of their depth and don't realize it, where the like the, the regular Nazi guys are like, people have started calling you acting pure and uh, we're going to put you in, our, in your place. And, and one guy starts beating him with a cane, at which point um, the uh, the vampire part of the Nazi army pops out, shoots the cane out of the guy's hand and the major gets up blood on his face and says let me explain to you how things actually work around here it goes into the idea and you know it's something that we had been told but now we can see the major is one of the few people you know like alucard is not in over his head if anything he's overqualified for literally everything the only other character i would argue is possibly in that category is the major yeah and so the major completes his bloody coup of the Nazi remnant forces while Alucard, Saris, and Pip show up at the council meeting. I love Pip's outfit. Yep. He, he is in jeans and a graphic tee to, in order to meet the queen. Well, hey, that's just it. Uh, he's a Frenchman true and through and through. He's not doing anything for the monarchy. <laughs> Especially the English monarchy. You're right. <laughs> oh, meeting the queen? Well, you're lucky yeah. I wore pants for this. <laughs> speaking speaking of uh, whether or not characters wear pants, we see Alucard meet the queen, which is... <laughs> we learn interesting things. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, Alucard basically, Alucard just walks up to the queen and they just start going, hey, remember all that hot, steamy sex we had? Yeah. For like a <laughs> solid three pages. <laughs> That's great because the queen is only depicted as like a silhouette, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> She's always in shadow. And the shame. And Alucard's got a great line of she's just like, oh, I was just but a princess right now. And Alucard's just like, nah, baby, you're so old now. That really turns me off. <laughs> Age has only enhanced your beauty, my queen. <laughs> oh, God, it's very uncomfortable. <laughs> Especially because this is a meeting of like 13 people that Alucard just walks into the middle of and starts hitting on the queen. Oh, yeah. No, these are all super important folks. And Alucard is taking the time out of their days in order to do this. Because who's going to stop him? Michael McDoesn't exist? Well, here's the thing. You know who is going to stop Alucard from hitting on the queen? Schrodinger. Our boy Schrodinger. Oh, Schrodinger. Oh, God, Schrodinger. <laughs> Schrodinger sure does exist, or does he? We're not even clear about that. <laughs> he teleports, I think, is... It's weird, no. because his power works in that if... His, he, he, his power he, is quantum states. He is, he is literally Schrodinger's cat. Yeah, he's literally Schrodinger's cat. And it's just weird, because he works, like, on the level of the manga, in that he disappears and he moves between panels like however he wants he doesn't have to go by location mm -hmm. it's just weird to describe that in a manga because it's just like what is everyone else seeing it is one of those moments that works way better in the anime it is spooky how he just appears inside the room with the with the tv that has zoom installed in order to have a video conference <laughs> between the major and all of our heroes nine nine video two <laughs> After a bit of flailing about the there begins the video call between uh, the major and realistically, Alucard, the major just hurls insults at everybody who isn't Alucard. And then they posture at each other for a while. Yep. I think he, I think he shows very, very mild respect to. Well, in Integra, Integra, you're technically holding his leash, so I'm going to I'm going to care enough to acknowledge your presence but that's all you get and then we we get his infamous war speech it's not even the full one it's not even the full war speech we get during the attack on london it's mm -hmm. but it is him being like gold we have no gold i spent it all to make vampires <laughs> <laughs> um that's actually something kind of uh interesting where i personally find the major's philosophy interesting enough to you know talking about how like don't think about it mm -hmm. i think it's a broad stretch to call it a philosophy it's more a fetish yeah but that's the thing though there is philosophy to it because the perspective that the major is taking what he's saying is if you have a goal once you reach it you stop and that's stupid you should keep going and that's what alucard respects him for it's not so much that um you know, because it's like he's fetishizing war. He's enjoying war for its own sake. And that's, you know, he's, he's a Nazi. He's evil. You're supposed to dislike him. Yeah, I kind of came. I came to the understanding that he doesn't really have he doesn't have a goal. His he doesn't really have an end end goal, an end point. If you have a goal, then there's an ending, which kind of makes me think of Hiroaka in the sense of you shoot for number one, because even if, you know, number four is enough and like, funnily enough, this is also something that came up a lot in One Punch Man. It's like if you don't keep going past 
hmm. you know, good enough, then you just stop and then it's over. You leave opportunity for, uh, yeah, it's over mm -hmm. and you leave opportunity for others to catch up or surpass you. You have to, con mm -hmm. it's a continual, uh, gradual progression. Yeah. And, you know, the, the fetishizing of war and violence and suffering, the major is easily by a landslide, the most evil character in Helsing. But the reason why Alucard wholeheartedly, genuinely respects him is because that philosophy, that ideology, you know, the determination inherent in it is in its own way respectable. Yeah, it, it boils down to he wants you to do what you like and what you love mm -hmm. to the fullest extent possible. You could never like or sympathize with the major, but like he is determined enough to go through with something like that. You know, it, if only if it was, you know, for something good. For something positive, yeah. The major finishes his war declaration. Alucard finds it to be superb and can't wait to get the party started. And Integra's like, yeah, no, you're crazy. You're just a bunch of terrorists. We're going to annihilate you. Alucard, Saris, end this fiasco. And um, <laughs> we get one of the more, more famous panels as, yes. Alucard, as Alucard fires his weapon into Schrodinger's mouth hard. Well, no, he places his gun into Schrodinger's mouth in a really awkward panel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Matt. That's why I was using euphemism. No. <laughs> no, no. I mean, he didn't just happen to point in that direction. There is some coordination going oh. on there. Okay, yes, yes, specifically. Schrodinger fillets Alucard's gun and then he pulls the trigger. Yes. Yes. And is splattered all over the ground, which surprises everyone. And then they look and the ground doesn't have any blood on it. Or or any uh, Schrodinger either. Or did it? <laughs> <laughs> all of y'all are dirty. It's because they hadn't. Oh, okay, 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 pot. <laughs> My name's Kettle. <laughs> but uh, uh, because the major was still talking on the TV, they all looked away from Schrodinger's corpse, and that allowed the the quantum to happen. The quantum state to collapse. Yeah, but um, Saris then destroys the TV, and. Uh, Essentially, that's where we ended our reading with uh, the Nazis declaring war and everybody getting ready to throw down like a good. And the queen saying to Integra and Alucard, I want you to find them and I want you to kill them. And I don't remember the abridged series makes the I want you to record it so I can fall asleep to it every night. Mm -hmm. I don't think that was explicitly stated by the queen in the manga, but she definitely implies it. She got, she got close. Yeah, <laughs> she wants to enjoy this. Mm hmm. Because everybody in the entirety of the Helsing universe is a violent psychopath who gets off to murder. Hey, it's killing Nazis. Everyone can get behind that train. Nazis. So that brings us to the end of our reading. Um, let's move on to our discussion questions real quick before we wrap up here. Uh, favorite characters. I stated earlier, I adore Anderson. <laughs> He is, he is the craziest SOB in this entire manga by a <laughs> long shot. And that's with people like Alucard and the Major running around. Somehow he manages to be even nuttier and even cooler. In the War Museum, like, 
It's oh, literally, he just, he walks up and is, and is like quoting scripture as he's pulling his knives out. Mm -hmm. And he just creates the most interesting scenes whenever he and Alucard are on the same panel. So I, I adore Anderson. He's my favorite. Mm -hmm. How about you, Jake? Who's your favorite? Alucard's definitely my favorite. The one who stood out to me the most was Integra. I gotta say the Major is one of my favorite villains. Like not not favorite character in this in the same way that like I like Alucard. You're not supposed to like the major and you don't. Mm -hmm. But man, he's fascinating to watch. It's like a train wreck. You just can't pull your eyes away. And it is the case where there are occasions where I kind of wish a bridged Alucard was in the manga proper because there are some places where uh, like one of the one of the scenes where I. I felt like I was missing a bridged Alucard was when Maxwell in the museum goes too far and insults Integra too much. Alucard's just like, well, you insulted my master time for you to die. And it's kind of dry. Whereas the takedown from the abridged series is hilarious. If you're getting in a dick measuring contest with a woman, you must have started with the world's cruelest <laughs> handicap. The fact of the matter is abridged Alucard and the Alucard from this are the same character. And, Oh man, Alucard is just such an enjoyable character to watch. He's it, so much fun. It was at the museum scene where I realized that at way more points than I realized, Helsing Ultimate Abridge had just straight lifted Anderson's prayers from the manga. <laughs> it is equal parts directly lifted from the source material and Boondock Saints. Oh, I, I gotta go with Pip. He doesn't do a lot, but what he does is always amazing. And just he doesn't do a lot, but he's the only one who does anything. <laughs> and every time Pip is on screen, he steals the show. Like when they did the three of them walking into the queen, you look at Pip because Pip doesn't care that he's here. <laughs> and Pip is the leader of a band of mercenaries. And the only mission we've seen him on, he did not need them. He took out. <laughs> so much on his own and just he I basically did it all himself and pip through pip we get great interactions with saris where she at least fights back when he makes fun of her whereas opposed to like the relationship she has with alucard she really can't she can't yeah she that's not even just like a forced thing that's not like a biological thing whereas we get to see her fight back against um pip and we get some good interactions with there and then also you know runner up was walter just because those uh, like strings are really cool and we get some like really it's so good. Cool. It's Jojo posing that kills people around you in explosions. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> explosions of blood and body parts. Uh, and Jay, who's your favorite character? Well, if it's not obvious, I sim for Alucard 100% of the way. Um, close second would be Father Alexander. <laughs> I thought you were going to throw us a curveball and say Maxwell there. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> no, 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 I just. He's just he's just everything. <laughs> yes. He's just everything. Um, I also, you know, not that, you know, I ship them, but I totally ship them. <laughs> honestly fair i think they ship each other um i think we did we didn't talk about this but i think one of my favorite parts about alexander is he's super violent and like bloody and like willing to get things done and then the second his job is over he is smiles and going like i it'd be great to get the wee children out here such a beautiful country yeah. they'd be, love to see all the art 
he really cares about those kids and yeah. he wants them to grow up in a world without monsters and or protestants uh -huh. yeah i mean that's 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 all you could ask for right we tend to have uh similar favorite characters like everybody was all about vegeta in uh in super, super. But like this and Yu-Gi-Oh are, I think, are the only two cases where we have like really diverse um, uh, favorite characters, which honestly, I think is a, a sign of a strong ensemble cast, which, which is really interesting because Helsing relatively has very few characters. Mm -hmm. yeah. There's the same central group and they go different places together. But I mean, the same nonsense happens just in different areas. It's like the new the a lot of the times the new characters are people to get dismembered. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, so we have our uh, favorite characters. How about favorite fight? Again, I gave away my hand pretty early in the episode. <laughs> the fight between Anderson and Alucard in Ireland, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. it 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 just establishes the tone for the rest of the manga even better than uh, chapter one. Like, chapter one just shows you how much of an immense badass Alucard is, exactly the level of violence and depravity you can expect from everybody. But that is the part that just makes the slamming of action figures together aspect <laughs> of this manga go from hinted at to exactly what this is. There are no doubts about it. There's no escaping it. That's why we're here. And it's the panel where... Alucard is like stapled to the wall by a gazillion bayonets and Anderson is bent over at a 90 degree angle backwards cackling at the sky. Yep. <laughs> that energy. It is glorious in how stupid and violent it is. It, yes. it makes the edgy 13 year old deep in my heart very happy. See, now I'm just going to have to come for you, Sam. It's yeah, that's one of my favorite fights, too. <laughs> <laughs> it just is top tier, top tier. It is. It is. I, so, I think I would have to go for my favorite fight. Um, I would stick with uh, the uh, fight with Luke, only because that's a very different Alucard who proceeds to just hammer away at a defenseless opponent going like, hey, hey, are you going to do something? Please do something. For the love of God, do something. <laughs> Well, I mean, he talked a big game. He came in here talking a big game. And Hard being the proper sportsman is like, if you're going to talk, deliver. That's all I'm asking for. I'm not asking for you to do anything you haven't like pre previously sold me. Like, Look, I'm just saying, if you're going to spend all this time fluffing me up, you might as well finish. Yeah. He <laughs> <laughs> almost says that. Oh, I'm sorry. I just like dirty talking when someone's sucking my dick. <laughs> Perhaps I should get to the point. <laughs> uh, and, and Jacob, your favorite fight, so we can wrap this nonsense up. <laughs> See, mine is probably going to be a weird one, because I'm not going to lie, me and my love for Dragon Ball, I, I really like, you know, dynamic choreography, which Helsing doesn't have a lot of. Um, it's mostly people just slamming into each other, extreme violence, limbs go flying. Um, Walter is definitely uh, pretty top tier because those freaking crop wires are so cool. But um, honestly, I think my favorite fight is actually, and I have a reason for this, Alucard slaughtering the police in the um, in the motel in the uh, hotel Rio. 
Yeah, fight the power, Jacob. I can get behind that. <laughs> That's a hot take in 2020. <laughs> Specifically the reason. <laughs> um anyway specifically the reason um i like that i liked that so much is helsing is definitely in its uh comfort zone and really like showing its stuff when it has like these really moody you know aggressively shaded you know shining eyes in the darkness um shots and honestly, that whole sequence was just a succession of that interspersed with uh, Alucard being pissed off at, at one of the guys for uh, taking his own life and Saris for being a whiny baby about it. Mm. It's other than that, it's just it's just this cool image after cool image after cool image of just this unstoppable badass walking through a literal army. Well, yeah, no, at that point, Alucard is a monster hunting down all these so like he's he is the antagonist of a horror movie in that scene oh yeah and it's deeply uncomfortable <laughs> and the thing is i like the imagery from that but like one of one of the more you know like literary meta things that's also he makes a point of saying um when he calls integra he says you are aware i am aware the police officers that i've been slaughtering i'm going to defend myself you can't stop me but they're just innocent people being sent to their deaths by evil assholes. I don't care, though. I'm going to enjoy doing this. So do my orders to kill them all still stand? Like, you know, that's one of the more meta parts of it. But I'm not going to lie. It's it's the thing that makes me like that. That moment, that air quotes fight is entirely the art, because mm. that is that is the part where like the art is just like it goes to the next level. All right, I, I did have another discussion question question in here about uh, the whiplash of tone between the ultraviolence and the and the silliness, but I think we've basically uh, established at this point that we find it to be funny and yeah, yes, yes. good. So, I mean, the ultraviolence is inherently silly. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I don't think we need to. Uh, I don't think we need to. Uh, Answer already been answered. <laughs> yeah. And uh, would you continue reading? I think that's a resounding yes from all of us. Yes, hell oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. Maybe for Halloween. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Over Manga Cast. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. Uh, remember to subscribe to the show, leave us a review, and follow us on Twitter at Over Manga Cast to see what we're reading and to see our shit posts about it. And we see had a which panels made me uncomfortable. Yeah, we had a lot of them for this. Uh, <laughs> spoilers it was most of them <laughs> yeah uh one thing that i i forgot to note earlier was hirano really loves his vertical glamour shots of characters yeah those don't make great uh twitter posts <laughs> they don't but they are cool yep and uh next week we are going to be reading something i have i have zero i'm going in 100 percent blind on this shimatsu no valkyrie chapters 1 through 14 also known as Record of Ragnarok, because at the time we're going to be reading this, this has not been localized. Ah, wonderful. Hmm. Uh, yeah, that also had no idea that even existed until uh, we started doing this. So that's going to be fun. I think yeah, is, I think this is the first time in uh, our little show history that I'm going into something completely blind and looking forward to it. We are all going into this completely blind because I just know this exists. That is the <laughs> oh, only yeah. thing I have over you guys. So um... I've got a lot of good recommendations. <laughs> yep. So if you all are reading along with us, uh, feel free to mention us on Twitter. See how you're liking it so far. 
All right. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. Good night. Good night.